0: yeah i'd like it to be a place where eventually if we don't need and once they like oh my god all the veterans have been helped um i want it to still be a place because a lot of the conflict and the paradox with with the with the issues with veterans is their inability to reintegrate with the community at large and if we're bringing the community at large in with the other veterans eventually it you know it it It's not so much about reintegration, it's communication and understanding and as much as we can, uh, providing perspective to each other. There's a really cool uh, thing I read on the internet, I think it was today, about either Denmark or Norway has basically what they call human libraries.
1: All right, you guys hear it all the time, the typical, if you like this episode, please rate us, subscribe to us. Leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify, wherever. Well, it really does make a difference for this podcast. We're small. We're trying to get bigger. And all of this feeds the algorithm so that iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, wherever you find us at, will rate us higher and higher with the more likes and comments that you guys leave. And always, if you guys find value in these episodes, please leave us a comment on the episode or on the show uh, page. And the best way to help us is to share it off. So again, thank you, and we will talk to you soon. On this episode of After the Battle of Campfire, I sit down and talk with Adam Johnson. Again, this time, though, we got audio. The last time we tried this, the audio didn't take. So we talk about his new veterans project called the Veterans Paradox Project, where he's helping veterans in his area of southern Indiana and Kentucky really get the services that they need. He has a property where they come out and they can go fish, possibly hunt. We're looking more, more into that for next year. He's fundraising for veterans who are not well known on the national stage. He's just in general, helping out his local area. We also talk about some current events. He talks about his motorcycle militia that he rides with and what a militia means to him, and it's not what you would expect. So, I hope you guys sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of After the Battle Campfire. All right, I'm back with Adam Johnson. Uh, we tried this a few weeks ago on Skype, and unfortunately, the audio did not take. So, Adam's back. Adam kind of uh, started something new that I want to talk about, especially for people in his area and Northern Kentucky, Indiana area that can get involved welcome back adam johnson and if you haven't watched his first podcast which i think was like number six or number seven go back and check that out too adam's yeah, that one was a, fun adam's a retired marine prison guard so this is going to be interesting
0: yeah it's a it was a boring job anyway yeah the uh we talked forever on the last one i don't know if i have that much time this time but we'll see where we get and what we do yeah. um yeah, it's it's been a busy week. I'm actually still recovering from the uh, memorial ride and rally we did this weekend in Corden, Indiana. We hit all over southern Indiana. We had about, uh, I think outside of the Freedom Warrior Militia bikes, there were like six or seven other bikes, but we had, I uh, think it, at the most we had 30 bikes there today which is substantially smaller than what we normally uh normally the freedom what normally the freedom warrior militia has normally their rallies are 100 to 200 bikes um fortunately we were still able to accomplish our mission of honoring senior chief schmidt who the route uh the ride was for who passed away in 2019 uh just before all the covid stuff kicked off and uh didn't really get a chance to get a memorial um He is the father of a friend of mine. And I have always said, if you can't start doing the charitable acts at home, then you shouldn't be out in the world doing them. It's got to start from within and work its way out. So So, let's
1: let's back up real quick. So you started a nonprofit.
0: Yes, I did. I finally got all the paperwork done and it's like fully legitimate now. It's not some dude in the back of his truck trying to sling pickles to hosted camping trip so so you
1: um you're up there in indiana and you started the veterans paradox project
0: yes and I this did. week
1: this weekend was your first fundraiser for senior chief did you say Schmidt?
0: yes uh senior chief carl schmidt he uh he served for 23 years uh he's like i said he's the father of a very good friend of mine and i saw when covid kicked off they really didn't get to Uh, do his funeral or do his memorial and honor him the way they wanted to. So um, we had a lot of suggestions for the first ride. One of them was Bonnie Sloan. A few of them, they were all uh, people that all pretty much had buildings named after them or are already being honored in some way. And, you know, one of the goals of my nonprofit is to kind of fill the cracks and catch the people and the things that the larger establishment systems like legions, VFWs, and the VA don't. Um, that's why we try to do more uh, off-key programs that, you know, you generally don't find out in the, the mainstream of the world. Like uh, we're working on a, a comedy, uh, like a set retreat to work on a, your joke set, your, you know, your hot five minutes, whatever. Uh, also working on a filmmaking retreat and then a songwriting retreat as well our next three hopeful outings for actual events that aren't fundraiser driven.
1: So what made you decide to go start off with the fundraiser as opposed to an event?
0: Um, well, I mean, it was an event and I, that's one of the things we like to do like uh, is that make sure I, I hate asking anybody for direct donations or just, Hey, give me money so I can go do something. I always like people to get something in return um and by doing the fundraiser we made shortly like we uh we raffled off several knives swords uh the winner of uh we we raffled off a whole hog so somebody will get a whole processed pig in november that they can just go pick up from the butcher Thanks. uh and that was uh the actually it was really cool the vfw's auxiliary president won it so oh, right he on. actually he did a bunch of work to help us get you know, like he cooked all the food that provided i mean the vfw and Corden did an awesome job i love those people they host a euchre tournament every thursday night too that i'm gonna start going to i just found out about and uh yeah they just they're a lot of great people this weekend
1: so two things real quick what one what the hell is a euchre tournament and two swords
0: yes uh we uh we had a blacksmith uh Make us several knives, a sword, and an axe that we raffled off to help raise funds for the project.
1: Wait, you're talking um, like a legitimate.
0: Yes, this sword. thing's fully functional. It was a 36 <laughs> inch, uh, it was in the shape of a Roman gladius, but it looked like it, a K bar. So it had the handle like a K bar and the blade was black steel. Oh, wow. Really, really cool sword. Um, That's pretty bar- rad. The bartender from the VFW uh, and Corden ended up winning that one. And then uh, one of the other uh, stops we went at was a Legion right on the river in Southern Indiana in Alton. There's a little campground there. It's a real cool place. And uh, the bartender there, uh, Sherry Majors, won our hand engraved axe. You
1: and, were just uh, taking care of bartenders. Do you guys get guess, out there or what?
0: No, not really. It's just uh, just the way the uh, tickets pulled this time. Um, it was a really, really good time. We had a couple bottles of booze we handed out to, and it just uh, everybody seemed like they had a really good time. The route was gorgeous. It was a little hot, but I mean, I'd rather have it a little warmer than getting rained on. So it was That's a really true. perfect day for the whole thing. It was our first fundraiser event. We managed to actually raise funds, not take a loss. Nobody lost any money, which is always a goal. And uh, everybody had a great time and got home safe. And at a motorcycle, we've had uh, several motorcycle events around here in the past three months. I think pretty much every one that's happened, somebody's gone down or been injured. And even though we didn't have that many bikes, we uh, nobody went down during our ride. So,
1: so do you guys consider yourself, or do you consider the uh, nonprofit uh, motorcycle based, or is that separate no. than your motorcycle? No,
0: so- Motor The motorcycle riding is something I picked back up and actually helped motivate me to get the project going again. Um, I started riding with a group called the Freedom Warrior Militia. They're not even, um, I don't even want to call it a motorcycle club because it's not. It's more like a militia that happens to convey itself by motorcycle. We wear cuts. We do some of our rank structure and other things the way, you know, biker, bike clubs do, but we're we're not a bike club. We're a militia. Our goal is to help the community and be there to protect it if we need to. Um, you know, it's basically what the police are supposed to be doing, protecting so, the community. And when you don't need to be protecting the community, you're serving the community, you know, helping take old people places, taking care of yards. Could you imagine if the police were required to, like, do community service tasks when they weren't arresting or investigating something? Like, if they had to go different. out there like to have to go out and improve the community and help people with stuff when they're not doing the other thing. Try yeah. doing that form of community, community engagement. That would be awesome.
1: So there's going to be people right off the bat or like who are going to be thinking, this guy is some sort of a right wing militia guy who's going to go shoot up a school. So, Oh no, us, absolutely not. Tell me what your vision of a real militia would be as opposed to what we hear or see on TV
0: a real militia is, is a community member that's prepared to defend his home if necessary so that other people don't have to, it's more about individual responsibility to you and to your community than it is to, you know, go running around shooting stuff up. I, I hope I never have to discharge a firearm again, ever that I don't, you know, at somebody, I don't, I don't enjoy it. Um, I like target shooting and stuff. And I think everybody should be practiced and proficient on some sort of self-defense because again, individual responsibility is, is very important. Um, but yeah, I'm far from right wing. I, I love cannabis. I, I do body painting on the weekends when I get time.
1: He is a sexy beast um, when it comes to body painting.
0: And, uh, you know, the motorcycle thing is just one program that we actually adopted over from that bike club, uh, the, well, the militia. Um, to help them push it farther and harder. Um, they've given away four bikes in the last four years. So a bike a year is not bad, but I would like to be able to eventually get to where we can, you know, find somebody and get them riding with the community again, like once a quarter would be it, awesome.
1: When you say they've given away four bikes over the last four years, are you talking about um, new motorcycles or generally?
0: Ones? Generally, what we will do is we will, find the individual and figure out what they need. One of the motorcycles that was done was a trike because the individual couldn't be on two wheels anymore and still wanted to feel the wind in his face. So we figured out a way to make that happen. Um, And sometimes it's not even fully, you know, just, it, it might be finding a bike buy, you know, finding a used bike, buying it, pimping it out and then giving it away. Or a guy finds a bike he can almost afford and we help, Grant the rest over to fill the gap and then help him get it, you know, maintenance and new tires or whatever it needs to get him roadworthy. Um, it really depends on the individual. And um, that's the way we have kind of established ourselves the way we have is that so we can adapt to the needs of the individual instead of going, no, we can't help you, bro. You gotta right. uh, that ain't that ain't on our wheelhouse. You know what I mean? So um and we're not just focused on the veterans, it's also the people that support them. And that includes, you know, the caregivers and the community members that help do stuff like our VFW auxiliaries and things like that. Um,
1: right on. So you were saying um, a few minutes ago when I came to guns that everyone should get out to the range and be proficient. Yeah. Are you also, when you're dealing with people who haven't ridden in a while, who are um, new to riding? are you guys going to offer some, uh, for lack of a better word, them- motorcycle safety? we courses. connect
0: them with the with the courses in Indiana and where I am it's required uh once you have your permit to do uh a motorcycle safety course to get your license um or do a riding exam and we always encourage people to do the class because the class includes the riding exam and it's it's important and they get you on a little smaller bike if you need to and um but we always, if we if we're dealing with a new or novice rider, we will make sure that they are uh, practiced and safe, um, and that they ride like they have somebody to ride with. And a lot of that too is, that, you know, we say healing through creation is our is our tagline, and that's you know we not creating just art or opportunities, more about creating a community and purpose, right? On. Uh, with the individuals.
1: Yeah, I was talking to another guy today, and that came up a lot in in our talk about um, community and groups and and the like. So humans
0: are tribal. If we could just get the tribes to quit fighting with each other, we'd be fine. (laughs) Uh, But, but again, we, you and I have talked about uh, the human limbic system before and how it craves conflict. And that's why even these, you know, 1% housewives that, Don't shouldn't have a worry in the world because they can blink and have whatever they want, still find something that they need to complain about, or, you know, something to fix or do because the these meat suits are just to satisfy the limbic system. Exactly. So.
1: So what's your long term goal with the uh, nonprofit? Is this something that you see happening well after we disengage from all these conflicts?
0: yeah i'd like it to be a place where eventually if we don't need and once they like oh my god all the veterans have been helped um i want it to still be a place because a lot of the conflict and the paradox with with the with the issues with veterans is their inability to reintegrate with the community at large and if we're bringing the community at large in with the other veterans eventually it you know it it it's not so much about reintegration, it's communication and understanding, and as much as we can, uh, providing perspective to each other. There's a really cool uh, thing I read on the internet, I think it was today, about either Denmark or Norway has basically what they call human libraries. And you can go and check out a human for a half hour and basically listen to their story, and it, they have them, you know classified by subject like you're a white man black woman uh bipolar all kinds of stuff and you just like you want to learn more about it and that person and it kind of provides like like i said perspective
1: so is it like um audio and video recordings then someone just no talks. you
0: you bring somebody over and sit down and talk to them it's human to human oh, which is whoa. so important it's so cool i want to start I want to try to find something to do like that here where maybe we just build a campfire for the night and bring people in. People just listen to three or four people tell their story.
1: Yeah. Well, there's definitely, you know, I mean, on like,
0: different subjects like, like, a, like, like a campfire Ted talk for rednecks. It'll be yeah. great.
1: <laughs> well, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the concept for the show. I mean, after the battle yeah. campfire is literally what we're talking about. Exactly. I, I'm trying to, uh, arrange this guy, Charlie, who served in, korea at the chosen reservoir to come on and tell Oh history. wow
0: yeah that will be awesome
1: it's not the same as human to human contact but i think like getting no, some of these older guys' stories super important to the younger it is
0: very because that's how we keep things alive we keep the lessons alive we keep their memories alive is by sharing the stories and the tales and you do that through music art and you know creation of community definitely so um
1: with your project ahead. with your project um I know a lot of veterans' organizations have hierarchies of needs and hierarchies of, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, photo opportunities. Obviously, uh, amputees usually get the most uh, invites. I am and- I'm
0: helping people who I find and who come to me, and who so it at it, it first it ends up being like friends of friends, people of people I know. Um, but that also brings the community into it as well. Um, so I, I hate marketing and I hate doing things, you know, to get a picture done. Um, as much as I enjoy performing and doing stuff, these, that's not the purpose here. And I would much rather have all the money. If I had all the money I could handle and didn't ever have to ask for donations, you would never hear a peep. It would just be people getting help and, you know, the camp's happening and damn Elvis Presley could come back from the dead and be here teaching a camp and you wouldn't find out about it till after it happened.
1: Nice. So let's start with what inspired you to name it the Veterans Paradox
0: Project? Well, because I mean, simply it healing is a project in itself and mm-hmm being a veteran the way we're asked to exist is a paradox i mean they want you to be you know violent yet kind intelligent yet obedient Uh, i mean those two right there are are enough within themselves and you know getting good men to commit evil acts for a good reason is a paradox yeah so i mean the whole I, i mean existence is we shouldn't exist or be asking the questions we are asking i so wish now, we were like dogs sometimes so now Just pre- slobbering and fucking
1: <laughs> oh that would be so much better so now with it your would. with your first camps or uh get togethers that are not going to be yeah. fundraising based how are you going to work that
0: uh, we I find people talk to them. I used to work uh, out in Los Angeles and in other areas in creative arts industry. So I have veteran friends and other industry professionals that I know, and I either work donation time with them or you know, because uh, if somebody's I mean seriously, if somebody's willing to come out and donate their time to do it, you're gonna get a hundred time better experience than if I have to pay somebody $5,000 to show up and sit with veterans for six hours. That's very true. Um, The desire to be there and do the work is huge for me. So I like dealing and I understand people have schedules and shit's hard. And if I got to pay for your hotel room or do something to make you able to get here to do it, I'm more than willing to work with that and do that. But I just, helping people shouldn't be a for-profit business
1: i can see that completely
0: and it and fundraising and 501c3s there's so much other money tied up in it that i may, i don't want 60 percent of my donations and the stuff people give me to go to marketing materials or other bullshit you know ceos we're in all we are an all-volunteer organization nobody gets paid for doing what we do everything we do goes back into uh doing an event like even our fundraising event we we you know we raise more money but now i can hold another event and so even the fundraising events we do hold a purpose toward the project right and that's what i want to do with like like you're talking about with our uh what fundraising events what i would like to be able to do with those is like when we do uh the comedy workshop. We'll have a few professional traveling com- comedians staying out with them for two or three days and working on sets and hanging out, going seeing sights, doing things, just working on stuff. And then, like the last day, we have the comedy club in town do a showcase where the professionals headline. Everybody that worked on the material gets to do, you know, five, 10 minutes and showcase. And then we can charge admission for that. The people get the comedy show, we do some prizes or whatnot, whatever. But you know, And then those guys get to give back a little too and feel like they're contributing to furthering the endeavor and getting somebody else a chance to do the thing that they got to do in some form or sense. fashion.
1: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So when-
0: So my goal is to never have to ask for a dime without providing something in return. Um, which, which but is- if people wanna give me money, I'm not gonna tell them no.
1: Yeah. So now describe what you're going to be doing on your property. Cause I know you have quite a few acres that you're planning on bringing some people out to.
0: So we, we have had to downsize. We lost part of the property we were using. Um, We still provide some limited uh, fishing and camping and we're doing smaller retreats here, but we're currently trying to find more property where I can get 10 to 25 acres somewhere where we can do some legit retreat retreats.
1: Right on. So what was the initial plan? then?
0: It was to uh, there was a second building on the other property that we were utilizing that we were trying to either purchase or lease so that we could turn it into an Airbnb. um, So that when the property project wasn't using it for hosting events or bringing in uh, guests for other other things, we could fund the project through that. Uh, It didn't work out that way. And, uh, you roll with the punches and figure out what's going on from there. So took a step back and just trying to make it more than tied to the property, because if the property exists, I would like the project to go on. So that's one of the reasons we picked up the bike thing as well. So that, or the bike project, which we call the Patriot program, Patriot bike program. Uh, but yeah, I just, I want it to exist and to help people. That is my goal.
1: So how much has this helped you in terms of your mental health it, and your spirit? It keeps
0: me busy. It makes, lets me know I'm not alone with my issues. I've always found that when I'm having a tough time, it's better if I help other people than focusing on how to help myself. Cause when you're helping other people, generally you, you find the help somewhere in there too. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it's helped me a lot. It keeps me, keeps me busy. And it's, it, it's something that I can do. I hate to say on my own terms, but it kind of has to be, I'm, I I have a lot of days where I can't get out of bed. I can't turn a light on, you know, I can't function properly. Um, and I never exactly, it's not like I can time it like, okay, well, Tuesday I'm gone because migraine and nerve pain is going to have me puking from six to 12. So I'm not going to come in that day. Um, it allows me to operate when I can operate and, you know, I can do things from bed if I need to um, like social media stuff and things like that, if I'm up to it. So I can kind of run it on my own schedule to a degree. Uh, The events get a little tricky, but I have helped there too with some of the other volunteers that if I go down, they can do the things that need to be done to make sure that the event is a success. So,
1: which is always helpful. So are you going to build out a little, are you, envisioning a full-time volunteer staff running this thing or you is it going to be just you and
0: i don't know it depends on on funding and a lot of other things um if uh, if my crypto stuff i've got going on takes off and i get fuck you money i'll pay people to help people and hang out and watch <laughs> and just enjoy seeing people being helped speaking of crypto um safeman's doing good
1: <laughs> is it uh, is it finally back it's,
0: up it's coming back up i i wasn't looking at that today i was looking at uh that weed penny stock uh sugar made it's doing? it's up 30 percent, and they filed all their paperwork to stay off of that uh do not trade list so oh nice we'll see
1: yeah uh so adam and i have been dicking around with crypto for what the last couple of months you a little bit longer
0: yeah, I started messing with it in 2017, uh just buying a couple, you know, 10, 20 bucks here and there and uh it turned into a couple grand. Didn't do any of that. I should have put $7,000 in it in 2012 when I found out about it, but
1: Tell us all about
0: that. Yeah, that was uh
1: I mean, even with the even with when people are bitching that Bitcoin crashed. I mean,
0: yeah. Well, Seven I mean, grand even,
1: from 2012 would still be more than enough to run your uh, foundation buy an for years. It would buy yeah. an island. Yeah.
0: There's actually an island for sale. Uh, either in Belize or Honduras. It's only about $250,000 that's got fresh water on it and it's big enough to build like, you know, those, those Tahiti style freaking floating huts.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So are you, uh, are you now going to take the Project International?
0: Uh, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to take it wherever it takes me and we'll see what happens. Um, but like I said, it gives me something to do. And I know that I can operate it out of my own pocket. If I have to, it doesn't get as much done, but it still, like I said, gives me something to do and helps the people that can help with what I got. So so that's kind of my attitude. You do what you can with uh what you can with what you have when you can.
1: So to go down a couple of rabbit holes. Um, yeah. How hard was it for you to get your tax status? I I know a lot of people were saying back during two presidencies ago, veterans or anything. And again, we know I know where you stand politically, <laughs> but people who mm. appeared to be on one side was, were getting harder. It was harder for them to get nonprofits.
0: Did it? So I was it. Hard? I didn't. I didn't even. It was. It was going to be challenging for me to establish myself as a veteran charity, according to the IRS, and still do the things I wanted to do without establishing like the VFW does. Uh, they established a uh, an auxiliary, like the Legion has an auxiliary. It's for people that aren't veterans, but they're like family or they can help out or they're really they're patriotic and they want to be a member of the club and they can't because they're not a veteran so they have the auxiliary um so the way i avoided that was i didn't even register us as a veteran charity our organization is actually registered as a a other gift and granting organization so that we can determine where our funds go and how they go and if we want to do it to hold an event we'll do it to hold an event We'll do the grant for that, or we'll donate it to whoever we need to. And it just allows us the flexibility to either do it ourselves or give the money to somebody who can.
1: So I know there's a lot of veterans that are probably going to end up watching this who want who've thought about doing stuff like this. I know that there's a difference between a foundation like structurally and legally. There's a difference between a foundation and a charity.
0: I do not know what that is. We are a 501c3 nonprofit so I, I, it, foundations it has, are generally for rich people from what i understand that just basically put a bunch of money in there so that they get the tax break and then that foundation theoretically does stuff under the name of its intended purpose but a lot of that ends up being tax shelter bullshit
1: oh yeah definitely on the tax shelter side no so the original purpose of foundation was to feed money to charities so it'd be like a
0: so yeah, so they have a, a, like a broad spectrum, like we're an aud- autism foundation. And this one, this specific charity is doing an autism thing, yeah. shoot them money.
1: Like a, like a charity so, has, yeah. has a very narrow purpose where a foundation feeds into, they can be a little bit wider. Have you, which, and the reason why I'm bringing it up also, besides the fact that other veterans may be interested in starting something is, have you looked at getting foundational support or do you not want to go that way?
0: I've looked into a few of them, but when I dig, like I was looking into the uh, Evan Williams American Heroes grant for veteran charities and you have to like 80% of your funds have to go to veterans, which is fine. Most of ours do. Um, But there were other, there are other stipulations in there. Like I can't provide any uh, sort of substance abuse support or anything ever. If I take their money, Uh, I can't use their funds for that. It's an alcohol company so they don't want to lose customers they don't want to give me money to lose customers i guess or don't want to end up in being liable because now they're providing alcohol counseling or something even though philip morris gives how much money to tobacco cessation every year so to me it's it's purely hey we don't want to lose customers so if you're doing aa stuff at your at your camp ever then we don't want to do that so that's crazy yeah so yeah Um,
1: I, i i know like um
0: so I, I, as long, I will never take money from somebody that expects.
1: That has stipulations on it. Something,
0: Yeah, stipulations on it, like something in return. Yeah. I mean, of course, stuff is transactional. Like I thank the people and I put advertisement, not advertisement, but I, I you know, know, I acknowledge our sponsors and stuff like that, but I don't want them directing the flow of traffic in our organization at all and if any money I take has those strings tied to it then I'll go rob a bank and do 10 years and get back out and take the money and do it then
1: you may be like 95 years old when you get out
0: that's fine Okay, we'll have robots by then that do most of the shit
1: maybe you should just uh, program the robots to rob the bank
0: there you go that's still do 10 years so
1: well they'll do 10 years because they robbed it
0: yeah but I program them too
1: don't say anything. I don't, I, <laughs> But yeah, now you just gave the whole plan away. No, yeah, we're s- fucked,
0: and <laughs> it's on tape. Man.
1: Hey, this is on disc, not tape. On
0: disc, yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm it's old. So,
1: isn't it so funny that we still use those terms like? Um, live my kids to go to
0: my kids go to my old high school, or one of them does anyway. And he uh he was doing the uh, radio TV program that I used to do, and I went in there, and it was all different there was none of the analog freaking uh sound boards (laughs) and stuff it's all computers I was like wow do you get flashbacks
1: going back to your old high school
0: actually no they've changed the building so much after I graduated they did a big renovation and it's changed so much that it looks like something out of a movie set now like football the football field's not even in the same place like, so I can't go stand on the old field I marched on. It's it's a practice field now. <laughs> so oh, it's just, it, things have blown up here. Like I think the population increased something like 200%. In the, 20, go- in, the in the 15 years I was gone, 200 or 300%. It's insane.
1: I was going to ask, how big is your town to begin with? Uh,
0: I remember when they cut the ribbon for our flashing light in Greenville, if that gives you any indication. And now we've got you know i gotta lock my doors and worry about meth so
1: ah the meth
0: yeah it's not it's uh i'm right next to louisville kentucky which is a pretty big city but i'm far enough out that i'm about a half hour away from there from the city edge so i still have trees and we have like chickens and guineas on the property and place for people to come fish for bass and sunfish and stuff
1: oh nice so are you um When you're talking about bringing people out for the retreats, are you still going to try to do the fishing and and the hunting on your own property or can you?
0: We do have another 70 acres that we are able to use. Uh, I think it is leased for this year, but as long as we work around the leased portions, we can still do hunts and stuff. And I have other, we have a lot of national forests that we can get permission to hunt in and special tags for veterans and stuff to do. Too bad you guys uh, are infested
1: with CWD what's that uh, chronic wasting disease it's a horrible thing for poor
0: deers um there have been a couple of cases i've seen or heard about in the area but not in the state real badly okay. i'm right on the border i i live i'm within three hours of illinois ohio kentucky and tennessee
1: i keep forgetting that you're down there i i think it's something yeah. like the middle of indiana it's Bad. Michigan
0: it's starting is, to work its way down from Michigan, yeah, um, but the deer so down the deer down here are freaking monstrous. There's some big boys. I pull, I pulled a femur. I uh, I was out at that property I was mentioning a couple of weeks ago, looking for uh, mushrooms, and uh, we found a mountain lion den. And the freaking deer leg off of that was the size of my femur.
1: Oh God! It, wow! It,
0: it was big. Yeah.
1: So are so okay now that we're going down this little rabbit hole are there uh, a lot of predators out there
0: Uh we actually have uh weasels are coming back they're making a comeback around here they got my chickens recently oh, uh, shit. I got I got two of them uh, that was last year they're all my my laying hens are all good right now and we've got another 10 chicks that are going out and I'm waiting I've got some I I really I like the chickens and they do well we uh we actually sell the eggs to raise money for the project um so everything we we have just five just five but local local families and farmers come by give us you know two to whatever they can it's just donations to the project i give you whatever eggs you need
1: oh yeah no no i was just curious on um how many how many eggs a day do you think you get off the five
0: um anywhere between five and eight sometimes they'll lay two a day if they're feeling frisky um and then we have the guineas Uh, the guineas actually lay eggs that we can. Uh, we I gave them to a uh, a chef at a Mesa kitchen in New Albany. It's a they they teach and they do a kids culinary school there and stuff too. So they come and get eggs when they need them. Uh, but the guinea eggs they did egg noodles with them and they looked like uh, Cheeto puffs. They're so orange.
1: So you said something that I was thinking something completely different about when you said guineas. I thought you were talking about guinea pigs
0: no these are african guinea fowl we have uh two two pairs left i have a royal purple and a lavender and the, a pair of each and a boy lavender and a female per, a purple and then a boy purple and a female lavender it was weird how they paired off but so we you, had 10 originally and we're down to four there are, they are good uh,
1: eating uh the uh the
0: eggs The eggs, uh, I I don't eat eggs, but I've heard they're delicious. They're hard to find, though. They won't lay in the boxes. So they've been laying in the horse field next door or, like, in a thicket. So if I find them, I find, like, 30 eggs, and you got to float test them to see if they're still good. Oh, but one of our girls has been gone for four or five days and she just disappeared again. So I think she was sitting on a nest right now. So we might have some Guinea chicks. It's that time of year. We might be popping out some, uh, have some keets. they're called. That, that or that may have got her too. No, I just saw her this morning. Oh, okay. she okay. was gone for three or four days. And I came out this morning. I, I, uh, I feed them by hand every morning and hang out while I drink coffee. They come and eat mealworms.
1: So um, let, let's go down this rabbit hole real quick. And it's probably not really a rabbit hole. I, I'm just no. in a rabbit holing mood. But um, you lived down here in San Antonio for pretty much since you retired, right?
0: Um, I went back to Indiana for a little bit. And I've lived in San Antonio from, what, 2015 to the end of 2015 to like 2018, 2019. So several it's- years, yeah.
1: So, I've been a big advocate. If you could, I'm still looking for property myself to get back to nature as much as possible. And just listening to you talk about waking up and feeding the chick or the chickens and, and the guineas and the chicks. Yeah. Uh, how much has that helped you as far as your headspace? Getting oh, out of I the love city? It. it.
0: It gives me time to think. And I don't like a lot of people anyway. Like, it takes a lot for me to deal with individuals. I don't know. It just, uh, people wear me out. Uh, and it's, it's always been like that. Um, you- I enjoy, I enjoy going places and doing things and talking to people. Like I, I'm not antisocial. It's just, I, I guess I exhaust easily, especially in large social environments. It's just, it wears me out.
1: Well, where I was going with that more so than just being in the city, but how much does being out in the dirt dealing with lives? Oh, it's uh, amazing.
0: I mean, it's wonderful. It's very cathartic. And like, I even have I have favorite birds. Now I have one lavender that comes over and he will literally, I'll, I'll sit on the edge of the porch and I'll put the worms right on the porch next to me and he'll hop up there and eat them and bump up against me while I'm eating them and let me pet him. And you know, it's, it's neat. Do you, do you feel like lot?
1: healing in any way?
0: I mean, I think helping or feeding or taking care of anything is, is healing.
1: But I mean, being, being back out on, on the farm type environment.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I do not want to go back to the city. I, uh, I tried uh, staying in LA for a little bit at one point right before I retired. And I was just I can feel all those people around me. Yeah. And it just too many. I can so- go visit for a month or so and be okay. But I need I need space and to be out with trees and shit
1: so now back to the uh the veterans paradox project did do you do you feel like um you guys are beyond at least in your area beyond covid now that you can have was, these events i was never worries?
0: worried about it anyway the only thing i was ever worried about was doing i mean we didn't do a whole lot during covid um because other people weren't willing to but i was never particularly worried about it it seemed to me about like the SARS outbreak they were always screaming about when we were in high school that never coalesced and then you know after you read oh, you want to talk about rabbit holes you, after you read about operation dark winter and replace smallpox with covid you'll be like okay
1: so what I'm is done. what is operation dark winter
0: operation Let's dark go winter operation dark winter is a uh exercise a bioterror exercise that was held in 2001 shortly before the towers fell. Uh and you it's actually why uh because I was part of I was part of a working group in 2000 and either 3 or 4 and it was something we covered because it was an anti-terror group and we were covering the last few years of Exercises and other things, and I remember that name was weird, and I was like, "Oh, smallpox is nasty." And then I was watching the presidential debate, and this last one. Joe Joe Biden, yes, the pre- last president, one of the last ones, and Joe Biden promised us a dark winter. And I used to read, uh I used to do interviews and interrogations, stuff like that, and uh, a lot of what is said is the wording that is used and how things are said is 98% of what is communicated. Regular everyday Americans that don't live in a Alaska don't use the phrase dark winter. They say it's going to be a wet winter. It's going to be a cold winter, uh, miserable, but dark winter is not a common phraseology. And when I heard him promise America a dark winter, I was like, where have I heard that before? And I went back through some of my files and some of my old stuff, and I was like, oh, there's Operation Dark Winter. Let me read this. Oh, my God, what the fuck is going on <laughs> um, kind of thing. Um, it, it was about smallpox, but it basically covers if there's an outbreak in the U.S., a bioterror attack, a virus unleashed of some sort, the steps they would take and what they would go through. And it's been almost word for word or step for step, what that exercise was doing 20 years ago
1: so what do you I, as someone who comes from that background of interrogation body language well, reading all what of do that. you do
0: before you execute you tabletop things you practice them you yeah. hold exercises
1: why well, well i was going to say but like what do you say so people are going to hear this going like, to this guy is a fucking quack
0: i mean i but like from your it's there. google it it's there read it for yourself i'm It surprised me, is all I will say. Um, My background is not, I'm not a super secret squirrel kind of guy. I didn't do any high speed, low drag stuff. I did uh, prison work and then I did some intelligence analysis when we were doing our anti-terrorism working group.
1: Um, But the reason why I say you have that background is because I think a lot of what you did working with prisoners well, I did.
0: Read I worked between with like, the
1: lines.
0: Well, also, like things with the Capitol, um, with the Capitol being intruded upon and it was an insurrection. Um, I know this, that's it's a very popular theme. But in 2004 or five, I would have to go back and look. There was an act passed by Congress that said that basically funded the hardening of all federal monuments and federal government buildings against terrorist attacks. So we didn't get another 9-11, even though the only federal building that was attacked that day was the Pentagon. Um, so in 2000, and it would have been in 2005 when I was in Charleston working, part of what we were doing there was hardening that facility, like with bomb-proof glass and all kinds of stuff. And the Capitol is one of the biggest expenditures that occurred during that project to harden that building against bomb blasts and terrorist attack. So if Capitol Police were surprised, like it was a surprise attack, like in White House down, like there's a tour going on and dudes whip machine (laughs) guns out, it would still be hard to infiltrate that motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. If there's a protest outside and Capitol Police are doing their job and the National Guard and every and nobody's surprised, which nobody fucking was, there were masses of people down there. Six drunk regnecks are not going to be able to get into congressional offices unless they are fucking allowed to. And sorry for all the cussing, but it's like no, it's a fine. common sense. It's common sense, especially knowing what I know about physical security and stuff. And I've talked to other instructors. And other people who have done the job I've done, and it, it makes zero sense. So they were all, yeah. it, they were allowed into the building. Like, to, and if they were allowed into the building, why were they allowed to leave? Like, well, how talk, did they get on? How did they get on planes and fly the fuck home?
1: Talk about physical security versus other types of security. That's barriers and stuff, right?
0: Well, I mean, like the the glass that was broken in. That was an exterior glass panel. That glass. Unless it was stained decorative, and even then it should have had a barrier behind it to to keep people from passing that. If they weren't going to harden that particular piece of glass, there would have been another stage of prevention behind that to prevent somebody from going any further than that one decorative piece that they didn't want to alter or destroy.
1: Okay, I get what you're saying.
0: So even when they preserve stuff, they're providing protection behind that. Or should be. Now I wasn't privy to the capital plans, but I was privy to several other plans for hardening the building. And I know that our visitor center couldn't take it; could have taken fifty caliber BMG shots a couple of times and not had an issue. But we were a prison, so it's a little more and dealing with you know and other other side missions that weren't UCMJ related, um, which required a little bit more hardening. Uh, but still, the capital building should six drunk rednecks should not be able to break into the Capitol building during, during business hours. None of those people had weapons. The only person shot was somebody shot by law enforcement. And it was accidental to my understanding. The, the, the guy that died, the Capitol police officer that died died of a stroke.
1: Well, they're going to say, people will say that that was because of the stress that happened during that day. Which I don't know. I mean, I I I heard okay. that he was beaten to death, then I heard it was a stroke. And now no one's talking about it.
0: If he was beaten to death, give me video or photographic evidence. Show me the show me the damage.
1: Well, no, that was the that was the first thing. Then they came out and said, yeah. No, we were wrong. Uh it was a stroke. Yeah.
0: But it could have been because he was stressed out. Okay, George Floyd died because he was stressed out. You want to go that you can't be that way for the Capitol police officer, not for George. Wasn't the heroin, it was the stress, or wasn't the fentanyl. You know what I mean? It's
1: that, yeah, we're just in
0: it's only okay if my side does it.
1: Yes. And if you it furthers
0: my goal, it's justifiable. If the other guy wants it and it's not exactly what I think I want, then he's a terrorist and he should fucking die.
1: Well, and you and I are like-minded in the sense that we think both sides are just as fucked up as as
0: they just take turns screwing us generally and raising our no one alive today that is still paying taxes and working has ever voted directly on having their income tax increased or having an income tax at all.
1: Well, okay, so since this is like kind of a veteran-based uh, podcast, let me ask you this one, because I, I, wa- I really do wanna start having these conversations and sorry, yeah, you're the first one.
0: absolutely we should.
1: So here's a question. Um, in the event of an actual attack that needs to happen, if we're not paying, if we don't have a tax structure, in today's modern society, how does the country raise a military?
0: I am not, I'm by no means advocating for not having a tax structure. I am advocating for one that a individual with an IQ of 45 can understand and pay.
1: Oh, you mean like my favorite idea of a flat tax and and it can be a progressive flat tax.
0: And I will have to, I will have to find you. No, I'm not, I don't, we don't even need it to be progressive based on how much you have or make 7% of 7%.
1: That's true. So I, I actually, what would make me happiest would be just get rid of all deductions,
0: all deductions, all loopholes, all, I mean, the IRS doesn't need to exist except as a payment processing center.
1: Yeah. That's my biggest complaint to some of my more, left friends who say you know the rich don't pay enough and you ask them well did you don't i mean but but wait then you ask them did you get a tax refund and they're like of course i got my tax refund oh i got back
0: more than i paid yeah well i know some people that get that they get back that have gotten back more than they paid in and it's like okay so So you're getting paid to live here even though you paid taxes all year you're still getting paid to live here
1: yeah We live in. I just there's so much waste and abuse.
0: Yeah, there's so much waste and abuse that is going on. And there was a study. Again, I wish my brain would let me capture like the titles and dates exactly. Again, Uh, but the general consensus of the study that was on average, after all of your, from the local to federal. Taxes, fees, penalties, and regulations roughly 65 to 68 cents on your dollar ends up going back to the federal government in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And well, that is fucking bonkers.
1: I will tell you, as someone who receives a VA check every month, I don't trust them whatsoever to do my VA care. I can oh, say I, that.
0: I don't either. No. And I, I say- don't think anybody, like, no god no don't let the government take over your health care don't let the government take over your health care
1: but what i was going to go with that wasn't about health care um it was about the most efficient thing the va does do once you get past the whole rating system is dispersion of money with very little strings attached or no strings attached
0: once you have your rating it's pretty easy to get your cash but
1: which i think is what we should be doing for welfare just If we're gonna if we're gonna give you cash, we don't need to have these agencies. We just need to say, okay, you get this much, and we pay you. Whatever you do with that is is on you.
0: Yeah, and if you don't take care of yourself, you're unable.
1: Not my problem. There was a
0: I saw some arguments the other day that you know if we're going to make the government the social safety net, which it is, if we're being honest, the Catholic Church doesn't do shit for the general social structure of our country anymore. Um as far as providing soup kitchens and stuff like that. I know there's still a few few things going on but that used to be our general social safety net was the churches. Right. And that's why they were that's why they were tax exempt. And if we're going to be funding those through taxpayer money and using the government as a social safety net then taxes need to start paying their 10% to daddy. You
1: mean churches? Yeah, the churches. You said taxes.
0: They need to start paying their taxes. Taxes need to start paying their taxes. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's been a long day. Wow.
1: So when it's all said and done, let's go back to your nonprofit real quick. And we'll wrap this up. Um, So you went, moved back up there, found a little bit of peace and solace up there in southern Indiana, northern Kentucky. Southern Indiana, yeah. Well, I'll call it Northern Kentucky too. It's you're right there. It's
0: a, it is actually referred to as Kentuckiana, like for real. That's what they call the region is Kentuckiana. You guys are it's dumb. It's, it's still funny to me.
1: I think it should have been Andy
0: gucky. It should have been because Indiana's on top because Kentucky's a bottom for sure. Are
1: you are you positive Kentuckians are bottoms? I'm gonna we need to we need to clarify that right now. <laughs> is the guy the from Indiana part- saying that Kentucky's his bitch?
0: Oh, have you seen their governor? No. Bashir, look him up.
1: I will after we're done with this. I'm kind of you will afraid. not
0: like him. I promise.
1: Is he scary looking?
0: Oh, he loves the COVID rules.
1: Oh, one of those guys. Um,
0: yeah, he's a COVID about, king.
1: How about your governor? How's that been?
0: Uh, about as good as Hot Wheels.
1: Who's Hot Wheel? Oh,
0: Abbott. Your your governor. I refused um, to speak to him respectfully after he lied to me when we met him that day.
1: Do you remember what I asked him, right?
0: Yep. <laughs> Fuck him.
1: Yeah. Um, at least we're not wearing masks everywhere, even though there are still quite a few people yeah. here wearing masks. There, want- there's
0: like, there's good things he does. That, you know, people that I don't like do good things all the time. Yeah. And I'm I, more than willing to acknowledge him. I'm glad you all aren't wearing masks and shit. Kentucky just stopped like yesterday. I do want
1: to ask because we. I still, when I'm out on my morning walks, I still see a bunch of people who are wearing masks by themselves outside walking.
0: Masks, masks. I think like that, and that frame of reference are going to become the new bike helmet. You know what, well, I mean? what I want, like what, what the dude I that just wears the bike helmet just so he can be safe. I They're want to,
1: I want to stop someone and just ask him a, a very simple, respectful question. Not. Hey, why are you still wearing the mask, you dumbass? Just say, what, what is a marker in your mind that's going to let you probably, take it? If off. you're
0: not wearing a mask, they'll probably pepper spray you and run away.
1: Actually, I've talked to a few people wearing masks when I walk by. I say hi to everyone. Good morning to everyone. No one freaks now, out. But, but see, I want to know, like, what, when, what is yeah. your
0: marker? Like, what is, when is it? When is it going to be safe enough?
1: Yeah. Right now, we're at like 4,500 people in ICU. In January, we were at thirty six
0: thousand. It's I it's mean, a fear campaign, man. I'm not saying the disease isn't real. Yes, COVID exists, but I I'm it's just, a fear campaign.
1: I'm just interested in people's mindsets right now. Um,
0: Scared that, is in control.
1: That's the amazing thing. And I really do hope that people can start to look at what is actually being said versus what is being reported.
0: And um, what is being done, like the way they're reporting the PIC cases through the CIC, so the CDC and all the other stuff. It's 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 insanity.
1: Anyways, back none to the nonprofit.
0: <laughs> I want to say none of the contamination protocols I've seen these stores implement have taken into regard any of the DHEC, OSHA, or medical safety practices that exist on the planet currently. Like none of them work. Uh, Department of Health and like it's a a safety. Yeah, environmental health type thing. Yeah, so airflow and air. Like there are certain, each prisoner needs a certain amount of airflow per cubic foot in their cell. In order to maintain our standards with the American Corrections Association. So I had to have air handling measurements and all kinds of stuff done. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's wild. But I thought prisoners were treated very well. Well, this is a military prison and it really depends on the funding of the facility. But prisons, they honestly, it does not benefit prisons to have their prisoners sick because 65% of the federal prison is a workforce to have American made products made uh-huh. so that their workers are sick. They can't work for slave wages and the taxpayers are funding that shit anyway. So keep them healthy, get them the sex change, keep them happy and locked up and making Levi's jeans or whatever the hell else they're making. I'm not sure if Levi's is on that list, but there's like 51% roughly of American made products are made in American prisons by people who are there because they committed a crime with no other victim than the state. I, I'm kind of No curious. one was hurt, no one was killed. The state is the victim and they are recouping their funds by, by means of legalized slave labor.
1: I do wonder if um, if the prisons are negotiating this or if it's a third party and the people depends. contracting the services don't even realize what they're contracting.
0: It, it really depends. Uh, if you're doing the labor in a private prison, which shouldn't be a thing. A a for-profit private prison should not fucking exist in our country. Yeah, and they do. But it depends on because sometimes it'll be government agencies. It'll be government employees negotiating those contracts with manufacturers and and and, and uh, distributors. So your government taxpayer money is going to negotiate these slave contracts for these guys that are still in there for weed while the federal government is selling the patents to the pharmaceutical companies and making money hand over fist on that side too. Are you saying the
1: government's corrupt?
0: Oh, God. If you I don't know, know if that, I can ever have you back this. on this
1: podcast.
0: God. I'm, I'm just hoping I get popular enough for them to try to kill me.
1: On that happy note, um, Uh, (laughs) I'm just (laughs) no, I'm kidding.
0: I'm really not a nut job, I promise.
1: No, you just see things different. I think I think people who see things different are important.
0: I've had as, as boring as some of my work was in the military, I've seen some unique experiences and what happens when we try to rewrite our you know, the manual for court martial and other things and you know, the favoritism that occurs when you leave Court-martial authority at the, at the commander's level instead of removing it and making it a, uh, what do they call that, uh, non-prejudicial uh, body?
1: Oh, an unbiased body or whatever? Yeah, an
0: unbiased separate body and remove the JAG Corps from the units themselves. And if there's a crime, you treat it as a whole separate thing.
1: Well, that, that always was a weird one for me, was having legal subordinate to a command like how it, do you how do you ha- be I get harshly? it
0: I get it in a in a war environment if you're on a ship right. if you're in battle you don't have time to fuck around and, and do the things and you sign that contract but if you're sitting on base I've I've seen Lance Corporals that the command didn't like get 90 days for writing a $20 bad check and the same command send a first sergeant who raped a minor in next day and they're letting that asshole retire
1: well did you see that uh, article you know, it
0: just it's so it's so unfair across the board. It's like, well, yeah. he did 20 years. It's like, okay, yeah, I did 20 years, but I should be held to a higher standard for those 20 years. I don't get to hold on to it just because he did some time.
1: Well, did you see that uh, that general who just got demoted? So it was a one- I haven't heard that about that one yet. Yeah, he was a one-star general.
0: Uh, oh, the one that was touching his kids and shit? Yeah. And still gets to retire? Yeah, oh, fuck oh, that dude. Oh,
1: wait, no, listen, listen. So he- um he apparently, since he had his, kid, his daughter, he was diddling her. And so he, re- he retired before she came forward with the allegations. Or, no, actually, I take that back. She made the allegations. Uh, they couldn't prosecute because of statute limitations. So they had to drop the case. He retires, then goes to, gets charged in criminal court on the civilian side because he's a,
0: a civilian because,
1: now. well, because there was no, um, statute, statute
0: for the civilian side.
1: Yeah. No statute of limitations there. SECDEF came out, reviewed the complaint and said, yeah, um, he is not retired as a general any longer. He has retired as a first Lieutenant because that's the only years that we could find our second Lieutenant. Those are the only years we can find where by the complaint, he acted. He had, he would have ended up with good years.
0: I don't care.
1: It, it's a start. Now, I mind mind you, he wasn't convicted of anything in military court.
0: It's pandering at best. If you were convicted of a felony and you were put in prison, you lose all your benefits.
1: Do you? You should. Okay, I wasn't the sure. Prison what you were saying system's
0: either. taking care of you now. If, you, if there's a certain yeah. amount of time you have to serve and certain stipulations, but. Raping your daughter, I if it's not one get of them, it. yeah, then we got an issue.
1: Well, okay, so let me ask you this before we go. Um, and then we'll have to plug your nonprofit one more time. So yes. I don't know if they taught you this or what your thoughts are on it, but why is it that felons carry a scarlet F on their back for the rest of their lives? Because all if you look at all the crimes in the US Code and the UCMJ. 99.9% of them are nonviolent and a lot of them are victimless. Like you cheat like you on your said, taxes. You, you didn't hurt anyone but the government.
0: You're a felon. Like I said, most of the people in our prison system are in there where the only singular victim is the state. The state should not be able to be the victim of a crime. There needs to be a citizen who has been hurt or wronged in some way, shape or form.
1: But why do you think felons are, are stripped of rights even after they're out?
0: It makes it well because if you get them out and but you can get them back in it's like a return customer. It's more control it's easier you don't have to train them again. It's like why why do we keep Marines instead of cycling them out.
1: True very true
0: you know what I mean it's cheaper. If you're looking at it from a labor standpoint, it's cheaper to get those guys to come back again and again and again than is to get new bodies in there every time. Cause then you got to make up new crimes and then you notice more people missing. And then you notice, oh my God, they're doing it to fucking everybody.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, if you look at the number of laws in the last 10 years that have gone from misdemeanors to felonies, it's ridiculous.
0: Got to keep that labor pool full.
1: Yep. All right, man. So give me another plug for your project and hopefully you'll be keeping people out of the system
0: yes hopefully 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 so the uh veteran paradox project is located in southern indiana we provide uh limited camping and fishing we have several projects and programs that involve creative arts and professional trades as well as motorcycle riding and community involvement if you'd like to find out more you can visit us at veteranparadoxproject.org or find us on facebook under the same name Thank you
1: once again for coming back. And I'm glad that we can talk you, man. about your
0: project. You got to come up and visit.
1: Maybe sooner than later.
0: That'll be awesome, brother. All I right. Look forward to seeing you. Talk to you soon. Bye, Bob. Bye.
1: Bye. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com. On Instagram, The Modern Ronin. On Twitter, at TommyChase01. And you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it would be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.